Whenever you rent or buy a video, you need to be sure that the film you choose is suitable for the audience at home. It may also contain some very explicit language, which will frequently mean sexual swear words. Hello, welcome to Friday Night Movie Time, episode 10. This is Mike. This is Lee. And this week we are discussing Raiders of the Lost Ark. Cool. So, Mike, take it back. When did you first see this film, man? It was ITV, I think, premiered it in the UK. Uh, recorded off there some Christmas time, around about either 84 or 85, I think. Again, watched it over and over. Can still remember where the advert breaks were. That's impressive. Fell in love with it pretty much straight away like everybody else did. Mine was slightly different. Mine was a Sunday afternoon. I was busy fishing for sticklebacks with my friends with one of those crappy little nets. Don't worry, we threw them back. We just wanted to look at them up close and then put them straight back. Um, one of my friends turned up and said, do you want to come and see that new film that's got Han Solo in it? Yes, I do. So I run home, got money off my mum. His Dad dropped us off at the cinema because it, in 1981 you drop off six-year-olds at the cinema to get tickets and we got there a little bit late and I sat there and I was just enthralled by it's like it's Han Solo but it's not Han Solo who is this this is amazing and an interesting thing we didn't get there on time for the film actually starting so it wasn't until the I think it was the next school holidays where they played the making of Raiders of the Lost Ark, did I actually see the scene with the ball rolling? Because I, I, the film started for me after Indiana Jones had come out and he was laying there and he'd lost the idol. And that's where, for me, was where the film started. So it was great to actually finally see with a bit before that. That is unusual because I'm pretty sure my dad or my brother didn't start the recording until then either. So Whoa, that's I think weird. I saw it on broadcast whatever time of day it was, that Christmas or holiday when it was shown. But, yeah, our recording only ever started when he first meets Belloc. Indy was lying on the floor. Belloc was talking to him, standing over him and talking to him. And that's what we saw. That was the first bit that I ever saw. Yeah. And then the film just went from there. Yeah, first lovely bit of humour when they all start to bow. And he does a runner. If you're listening to this and you obviously like these movies and you must know it's Steven Spielberg and it's George Lucas... It wasn't until I was an adult did I realise that there's a little Star Wars reference on the side of the plane. Right, which one's that? It says, uh, does it say C-3PO or does it say Obi-Wan? I can't remember. I did write it down but it didn't bring my notes. There is one in Temple of Doom, isn't there, when they get on the plane? I'm not. Is there one in Raiders as well? Yeah. Uh, there's one in Raiders. Right. Well, there's two in Raiders. There's yeah. one later on in the... Oh, the well Club, Club Obi-Wan, isn't it? Club Obi-Wan. Club Obi-Wan in Temple of Doom. Club Obi-Wan with the love... 
with the lovely Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> His little cameo there. Should we talk a little bit about the production? I've just made a few notes saying this concept was first discussed in Hawaii when uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were on holiday there, I believe. It was, I believe it was the holiday they had after Lucas had after Star Wars had come out and yeah. been such a huge success. Can you imagine the cocaine? There would have been more of it after that success than sand on Hawaiian beaches, I think. Oof, and this would also... I think it's also the same holiday when George Lucas did not realise that the Star Wars holiday special was coming out. Oh, dear. Which, ironically enough, because it's the school holidays in the UK, and I'm sure it's school holidays around the world, um, my son watched for the very first time and actually really enjoyed it. Oh, no. Um... There's one. <laughs> I have a weird sort of thing. To, I know going off the subject, I have a weird sort of thing about that. Yes, it's rubbish, but it is still Star Wars. Yes. And you do still see Leia. It's a love-hate relationship I've got, got with that. Talking about those two guys being at top of their game, ever since you know Spielberg's maintained a, a, a certain great level, um, at that time, would you say they were equal in what they produced, I think? THX 1138 and American Graffiti and of course Star Wars for Lucas and Empire was sort of happening when he had this idea I mean THX 1138 was a flop that was it was one of the reasons why Francis Ford Coppola had to go off and make The Godfather to make the money back from the American Zoetrope had lost on THX 1138 so yes it was a bad a bad movie but American Graffiti that was incredible I mean, American Graffiti, in some ways, gave us happy days. Gave us Ron Howard as a star. I know he'd been a star anyway. You know, in, in like lesser roles, he'd been in the film with True Grit with John Wayne. Uh, I can't remember the other TV show he was in. Somebody can probably tell me that. I would say Spielberg was slightly ahead, although George Lucas would have probably had more notoriety because he had made the biggest movie of all time. At this point... Steam Spielberg had Jewel. Was that a more done, or less a B movie? Wasn't a huge hit, was it? He had done Jewel in seventy five. He had done Sugarland Express. Sugarland Express About with seventy four. I think with Goldie Horn. Close Encounters. Seventy seven. Yes, yeah, Close Encounters would have been went out, and that was a huge success as well. So they were pretty on equal footing then. Yeah, I mean, although Spielberg had done had done more work. Yeah, because Lucas had only directed the three films, and in fact, he hadn't directed anything. Since Star Wars until The Phantom Menace, yeah, that wonderful success that that was. More about prequels later and uh, Crystal Skulls, or should we not mention yeah. them? What do you honestly think of the Crystal Skull? I know we're jumping ahead now. I always get excited looking forward to watching it, and I enjoy parts of it. Obviously, a lot of things people have trouble with, like the CGI monkeys, the ending. Perhaps you haven't got the level of performance you've got from the older actors who are now no longer with us, like Denham Elliott and Sir Sean Connery, in the original three, when you've got, like, you know, Ray Winston's, perhaps not the gravitas of those two. Again, it's a, a weird love-hate relationship. No, it's not the Indiana Jones that I want to be, because I don't want Harrison Ford to get old. Yeah. I want Indiana Jones to be duck in that one time that can make hundreds and hundreds of stories. It's looking now like they're going to CGI or do a lot of reface work. On him, because obviously there was a stamp man riding a horse through Glasgow the other day. Spoilers. Glasgow posing as New York, I should yeah. say, not randomly yeah. dropping, dropping the Scottish city in there. 
I, I think that was just a regular day in Glasgow. I apologise <laughs> to my friends in Glasgow. It's not, I know it's not really like that. Hey, we've got areas of Swansea here. There's a one school in Swansea which has had a horse uh, ridden down a corridor before and a pupil taking a crossbow in. But, really? Um, yeah, that's been told to me by many people who went to that school I, I work with. Wow, that's amazing. I did not know that. And I don't live that far away from <laughs> I don't know the context whether he just took it in to show his mates or uh, something more sinister was going on. I believe it was confiscated and uh, nobody actually uh, was the victim of it, thankfully. Give me that crossbow. No, I don't even fire it at me. <laughs> <laughs> there was a few screen tests done for this film before um, we got the almost perfect casting of Harrison Ford. But I do enjoy on the extras we've had ever since the DVD release in the early 2000s, the screen test of Tom Selleck. I think that if, if, if Harrison Ford had either passed or they decided not to go down that avenue, I think Tom Selleck would have been a brilliant casting. He was, he was a well-known star on TV. Yeah. He does have that sort of level of charisma. Even when he turned up in, in Friends you know, in the 90s or early 2000s, he still had that yeah. Tom Selleck charisma. No moustache, obviously, but... Yeah, but I don't know if he ever really got the movie career he deserved. I suppose he was a co-lead in Three Men and a Baby. That was a fairly successful film. Runaway in 1984 with Gene Simmons of Kiss as the bad guy. I do enjoy that film. I rewatched it I was a, few, a, a year or two ago. I am a huge Kiss fan, and Gene Simmons had done these movies in the, in the mid-80s, such as... Runaway and Trick or Treat, which I just adore. They're not great films, but I do love them. Even then, Selleck moved in, tried to move into the uh, of adventure sphere. He did that Quigley Down Under. No, it wasn't King Solomon's Mines, but he did a sort of that similar type of thing. Was yes. that Quigley Down Under, or it might have been something else? During that, kept very separate. You were yeah. a TV star, you were a movie star. Take Pierce Brosnan, for example. Pierce Brosnan was a massive. Uh, TV star with Remington Steele, but didn't transfer until to cinema until he got cast as James Bond. Yeah, he was supposed to be take over from Roger Moore, of course, but contractual obligations of Remington Steele stopped that, and uh, Timothy Dalton took over for a short while. But anyway, back to Raiders. Back to Raiders. We're going okay, off the subject. Um, yeah, it's indeed. not like us to go off the subject. No, I mean, not normally at all. We're, we're always on subject. Subject. Subject, lad. Indy escapes the boulder, escapes Belloc first of all, gets into the plane cockpit and discovers a snake. And it's nice to see a hero at that time actually have his flaws shown to you in a humorous way, isn't it? Yeah. This is one of the few franchises where they keep showing you that he is a flawed human being. I mean, in all of the movies, you know, Temple of Doom, The Last Crusade and in The Crystal Skulls, he's a flawed human being. And to a certain extent in the TV show which we probably mentioned. Do you have any background or viewings of the inspiration for these films? The, the old, old serials. episodic serials where you'd go in, probably, was it at the time when Spielberg and Lucas were young, would have been the 50s, were they still going then? Because I more or less associate them with the 30s. You know, the episodic films where families um, would go on a Saturday morning and see... And the thing is, they didn't start... The idea until, of a cliffhanger. They didn't start until the 1940s. Really? They weren't... I know what you mean. I have exactly the same thing when I think of... And I love those serials like Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers and like Captain Marvel and all of those ones. But yeah, they didn't come out until the 40s and 50s. It wasn't... I have the memory of going, oh, well, no, they must have come out in the 20s and 30s. Well, they couldn't have because they didn't have sound in the... Tw- well, sound was only just coming in. Yes. So I think that was another reason that, uh, that drew me to this was 
during the school holidays you used to have on like BBC Two, you'd have those serialisations on in the morning. Flash Gordon was always the one I yes. do remember. The, and what always made me laugh was how it would always end on this massive cliffhanger that they would change on the next episode. Yeah. He's fallen down a bottomless chasm. Oh no, he's not. He's hanging off the edge. No, he wasn't. <laughs> Of course, we've skipped past one very quotable bit, a very young Alfred Molina saying, throw me the idol, I throw you the whip. Wasn't this his first movie role? I do believe, yeah. He's sort of in his 60s now, and yeah, we are 40 years. Even though this was his first movie role, he had been on British TV by this point. I think I'd seen him in a few things afterwards. They're going, oh, that's the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark. This gave birth to a lot of people's careers. And then we're back to university. Indy's having a unusual bit of flirting going on to him with a girl with I love you written in lipstick I presume on her eyeballs uh, on her eyeballs yeah, on her, on yeah, her eyelids she, yeah she's written them on her eyeballs which is weird um, no I've always wondered about that you know did it run and would it really sting eventually probably would you get away with that now this idea of the Lolita trying on with the older man yeah well it's the situation where she's looked at him like that and as we find out later on, when we first meet Marion, that Indy had had a relationship with her when she was a as yeah, she says, that's been talked a about child. a bit recently. That's that's her own words, but you know, people have his word can be excused it, but taken it to mean she was like perhaps late teens and still had a bit of a childish yeah. mind, yeah. you know. As, as you said, she, you she's know, around she, about thirty in this film because Harrison Ford's. 38 by this point, isn't he? He was 35 in Star Wars. Yeah, he was 33 in 76 when they made Star Wars. 38 now, yeah. yeah, 81. And also as well, when I say I was a child, I could have been in my early 20s. Yeah. But I was still, I was passing from the childlike innocence into adulthood. So you can can take it. Yes, you could take it. I suppose there could have been other lines you could have used. You know, I was naive or something instead of the actual word child. I've never taken that as being he had taken advantage of a child. No. It's like he'd had a relationship with a younger woman. Yes. And that's how I've always taken it. Very true, but we get the first sort of action sequence. Spielberg using the lighting really well, although as you get older it does get a little bit hard to work out what's going on in the scenes of the bar in the pool. Don't know, we've skipped a bit. We've skipped when we meet Oh, Paul the experts. Oh, sorry, yeah. First of all, we do meet Denham Elliott, who's... Uh, very serious in this film, isn't he? But he's very much a comedy stooge by Last Crusade. Denim well-known, renowned British actor of stage and screen. He brought something t- to it instead of just putting anyone into that role. I mean, you, you could have really cast it because that character's not really that needed. It could have been a throwaway character, but no, they just kept bringing him back because he's such a good actor. But as you mentioned, Porkins Watch... Featuring the two actors who were also in our last episode in the Haunted Honeymoon yes. uh, radio scene. I've seen that scene described as probably one of the best textbook ways to do exposi- exposition in a movie. With a lot of movies now, you know, there is a lot of exposition where it's like, you don't really need it. You're insulting the, the viewer's intelligence by, this is what's going to happen, and now yes. this is what's going to happen. In this, it works. Give the character in the... The immediate interest, don't you? See the excitement in, yeah. him, in him. The words like Tannis get mentioned, and you yeah. think, "Wow, that gets your research brain going and researching what that was all about." Catching up to where we were now to the bar scene. Again, another scene that you probably wouldn't get away with in a PG movie now because it does. It is still PG, isn't it? They haven't changed the 
possibly did I read recently they might have changed to twelve or twelve A? Yeah, you wouldn't have people drink having drinking games in a, in what is classed as a family movie yeah. now. But yeah, again, works. But that guy's face when he collapses always makes me laugh. It's so funny. A Toby jug, a figure on the front of a Toby jug taking a knee. Actually, um, interesting thing. I was always intrigued by the idea of them having this drinking game. And I thought, right, I wonder what that stuff actually tastes like. Yeah. So my grandparents had, as a lot of grandparents did, they yeah. had like sort of a drinks cabinet. And I remember trying whiskey, taking one shot of it. It's burning my mouth. I didn't even swallow it and I just spat it out. And my grandfather said, see, it's not for children. Yeah. Although, for some reason, they had no problem with giving me advocate. Advocate. Advocate? Yeah. The yellow stuff. Yeah. It always looked like pop, but tasted yeah. disgusting. Hey, it was the 1980s. What do you expect? In the early 1980s. Exactly. I just told I just told you that a, uh, a father dropped two kids off at a cinema and just went, there you go, go and see it. I'll pick up in two hours. And in this scene, of course, in the bar, we get the first experience. First appearance, twice, of the late great stuntman, Pat Roach. Yes. Actor, of course, as well, of Edith and Pet. Great uh, TV also, show in the UK. Mike, I think you've you've skipped over what he was most famous for. Pat Roach was a professional wrestler. And of course, he of was. Course. He was. You know, he was one of the big names in British wrestling. You had yeah. Big Daddy. You had Giant Haystacks. You had Pat Roach. You had Kendo Nagasaki, Pedro the Gypsy. Pat Roach was yeah. a staple of British wrestling, yeah. who then went on to become this incredible actor. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Alfie Zane Pet. I could never see Bomber. Was it Bomber Harris? Yes. I could never see Bomber Harris throwing people around. No, he's such a gentle giant, wasn't he? Yeah. We also get an actor I was surprised to find out was the same many years later from Blackadder 2, the baby-eating Bishop of Bath and Wells, uh, Ronald Lacey, as Toft, the Toft, the uh, um, the Nazi. Burns his hand? Yeah. Yeah, that's Ronald Lacey, same guy. Is it most famous for being in Porridge? Of course, of course, yeah. And in fact... So many people in Porridge, I always forget. And, and in fact, it was this was... He was actually planning on retiring retiring from acting right. until he was cast in this and then decided to carry on with acting. The reason why I stopped you, it wasn't I was, dis- I was disagreeing with you. I yeah. genuinely had to picture him in my head going, yes, yes, it is him. He plays the seediest, creepiest yeah. character. He looks like someone that would probably drug you and rape you. Yeah. Does it so well. Great actor. And uh, I love the little... Sticky has later on of having the pull yeah. that close hanger. That's a great scene. It's so sinister, and then you go, "Oh wait, um, it's a red herring. It's not." One great touch you get when India's travelling in these movies is um, the graphics of the plane travelling. Yeah, the plane routes, and that's very yeah. much it reminds you of something like Tolkien or other adventure style books when they put the odd sketch in. See, now to me, that always reminded me of. Like the 1940s film starring Humphrey Bogart, right. where they would always, that was how they would portray going from one place to another. Yes. But yeah, since it was trying to be a film of that period, yeah, works brilliantly. Really? How did you feel in this scene when he grabs the, the medallion and it burns his hand? Always made me cringe as a kid. 
because just like you, I would watch these film over and over yeah. again, and every time you, you could almost smell. But you don't expect at that age as a kid for evil guys to have flaws early on, or they're not. Well, they're yeah. obviously flawed, but to have accidents happen to them early on. You sort of think they'll be have a huge comeuppance at the end, which he does. Yes. So it always sort of threw me a little bit. Like you said, this that that scene always made me cringe because I could almost smell the burning flesh, and just his reaction of him holding his hand and it's like he always falls back for some reason. Yeah. And of course, runs outside in the snow to put it out, and then we uh, make the trip to Cairo. And this is where we first meet John Rhys Davis's character, Salah. While we were we were researching this, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch this film again only because I don't need to. Yeah, I've seen this film so many times. I can tell you what comes what scene by scene by scene. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time watching the making of and the later ones they did for the DVDs. Yes, and what always makes me laugh is the only person that wasn't infected by the food poisoning was Steven Spielberg because he brought his own food to set and um, we know John Reese davis likes his food from watching the um, extras on Lord of the Rings have you seen those yeah, when, he, when he went indeed. out to dinner and he'd be ordering extra shrimp for everybody and what made, really made me laugh was when he was talking about when he had the ups, upset stomach and he said I was wearing this costume there was 200 people around you know there was extras there was the people behind the scenes and I shit myself. <laughs> I actually filled my costume <laughs> and I did not give a shit. Which, well, he did, literally. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you have to be in so much discomfort to think, yeah. I'm just going to fill my trousers. Everyone's yeah. going to know. They're going to smell it. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. That is so much fun. I've emptied like an old radiator. Yeah, we won't talk about his uh, politics modernly, but uh, whether he deserved it. <laughs> yeah. Quite demeaning to to a woman next to him on uh, Question Time it was a few years ago. But uh, I didn't even and know And he was that. trying to quote some sort of quite racist writer from like the 1960s, like that, you know, who, who he agreed with. Well, <laughs> but, I'll, right, I'll be absolutely honest, honest with you, I never even knew that. It's... No. it's Pass me by, yeah. you know, if he said something. That but was... he was like um, banging the table in question time saying, have you ever read this person? And then someone on Twitter put it to the backbeat of Adam Ant's song, you know, have you ever, have you ever? So it's quite funny if you can find it, guys. Do you know what? I might actually go and look at that because it yeah. sounds quite amusing. Fantastic character. I just like the whole setup he's got of, you know, for instance, when he's got the local kids who protect Indy in that little scene where you think, you know, he's going to get taken away. Because this isn't actually... This wasn't filmed in Egypt, was it? It was filmed in Tunisia. Yeah, I think it was Tunisia because of the Star Wars connection a few years before this. And again, in the retrospect that I watched, um, one of the production designers says, do we need to go to Egypt? It's like, no, as long as it looks like Egypt. Well, we go to Tunisia then because that's yeah. where we filmed Star Wars. And ironically enough, that was the first place I ever went on holiday with my mum after my dad died. It was Tunisia. Okay. Um, Did you go to any of the sets? That would have been 1978. Oh, so... So I wouldn't have known that it was Tunisia. My mum wouldn't have been that interested. So I would, the, the, the city and the layout, that's lo always looked familiar to me because it was like, okay, yeah, I, th I think I've been there. Yeah. But no, I've never gone back. Recommended to your mum by somebody else or did you go as part of a group? Or? Uh, it, I went with my mum, my cousin and my auntie. Wow. We all went together because it was like somewhere to go because my dad had died. You know, don't I'm not going for a woe is me. It was like forty odd years ago. I got over it. 
We're about to go to the Well of Souls. People said there is a Star Wars reference in this scene, which I spent years and I wore out many Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark tapes yeah. trying to find what turned out to be a carving on the wall, which is so small you can't see it. <laughs> Probably see it on the 4K version now, I guess, or the Blu-ray. Uh, not... It's still damn small. Right, Mike, we are two men in our mid-40s. Unless we've got really good glasses on, we are not seeing it. It's so small, you yeah. can't see it. It's it's the same as... Unless someone tells you about the two dice hanging in the Millennium Falcon, yeah. you don't notice it. Or the ETs in uh, Phantom Menace, in the chamber. I can kind of see that. Yeah, CGI era then, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, Indy gets dropped down, or... First of all, he makes his own way down, doesn't he? Yeah. And we get the great classic shot of the snake to his face, famously filmed with a pane of glass. Yeah. Between Ford and the reptile itself. Mike, your feelings on snakes? I've had two around my neck in Australia. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds a bit dodgy. But no, um, yeah, it was this thing in Australia um, when I was travelling 20-odd years ago. Went to a few cafes and like you get these people coming around with them for you to have photos with and hold and... I remember one being around my neck and it, the guy left it there for so long it became a bit uncomfortable because you can feel it trying to weave, well, kind of weave its way around you or just be attracted to the heat of your body. Not a huge fan, but can more or less take them or leave them. Mentioned Tunisia, there is a photo that I have of a snake charmer putting the snake around my mum's neck when we were in Tunisia. And if a photo could scream... You could see my mum's look of horror. Yeah. And she said, I was absolutely terrified. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of snakes. Yeah. Yes, and prior to this, we get in the searching for the Well of Souls and the great digging scene. The, uh, is it the sunrise or the sunset? The sunset, because in this scene, because, he's own, because they take the template off his hand, that he only has one set. Um, side of the medallion so he, they end up digging in the wrong place but it's a classic isn't it Douglas Slocum yeah I keep thinking Mrs Slocum <laughs> <laughs> don't drop your pussy down there huh? yeah that's a reference for all the youngsters there it's a 1970 sitcom which did come back in the 90s yeah and of course uh, Indy gets trapped down there with Marion and Marion gets abducted by the Nazis God, I've even forgotten that. Yeah, we skipped a major bit, haven't we? Yeah. Um, of course, the, it, de the the famous Deli Belly Harrison had seen. As I get older, I kind of wonder more and more what a full-on fight would have looked like between them all. It almost frustrates me a bit now, that scene. See, now I have the opposite. I have the... I've always liked that because it's such an anti-climax. Yes. In many ways, it reminds me of John Carpenter's The Thing, where... Kurt Russell is going to face the monster finally. Yes. And you think it's going to be a big battle and just gets dynamite and throws it at it and just blows it up. Yeah. That's what that scene's always reminded me of. Is that planned by Carpenter or where was this... The myth around this anyway, I don't know if it is a myth, the story is about the Deli Belly and Harrison couldn't be bothered to do a full-on fight scene. No, it, it's not a myth. As I said with the John Reese davis where he pooed his pants. Yeah. Which sounds funny. All of the cast, the only Spielberg says the only person that didn't have deli belly was me because I brought my own food because I, I didn't trust food in other countries. Okay, um, which yeah, I mean, it, it works so much better. It's such an anti climax scene that it's brilliant. Going, yes, okay, you, yes, you can do all those fancy stuff with your sword. I've got a gun, bang, bang. Marion meets up with him again by being thrown into the pit. Yes. 
and they escape and then we get another absolutely classic scene the return of pat roach for a long time i couldn't believe that that was pat roach because at the time i wouldn't have known who pat roach was i would have known because i used to watch world of sport on yes. a saturday afternoon so i knew he was pat roach was a wrestler but pat roach had hair and this guy just had a big moustache and a bald head I didn't believe it, even to an adult, until I became an adult. I'm looking at it going, that's not Pat Roach. Yeah. And it's like, no, it really is Pat Roach. It's like, all right, they'll believe you. Yeah. Part and of me now still doesn't believe that it's Pat Roach. And it's such an exciting scene. I mean, even, I saw it live 30 years ago in Florida. They used to do an Indiana Jones show. Wow. In Disney World. And the guy would actually, and obviously there would be a trap door, and you'd see, it would just be plumes of smoke would be put on, you wouldn't see the blood, as you do in the movie. But plumes of smoke were put on and he just disappears all of a sudden. Wow, that would be, I must, that must I be I think amazing. it's still going, actually, in some form, people were saying. Oh, I hope that one day I get to go and see it. Yeah, but there's, like, videos taken in the year I went, you know? Yeah. Online, I've watched it back, and it's still brilliantly choreographed. Sort of done as live, and um, I love that aspect of... Something's always worse, isn't it, when you tell but you don't show with the blood. I think that was one of the great things about Pat Roach, was... For somebody that was such a nice guy yeah. off camera, he was really menacing on camera. Absolutely. I mean, you're a big fan of Doctor Who, Roger Delgado. Roger Delgado was described by yeah. John Pertwee as a fantastic coward. Yeah. In that all he was interested in was um, putting his, you putting your slippers on, him putting his slippers on, you having a coffee and a chat. But to look at him, he's terrifying. Yeah, and what did he describe him as? The bravest, John Pert used to call him the bravest, the bravest coward he ever met. Yeah. Because he'd put it, he'd go out to sea for these uh, scenes in like the Sea Devils when they're riding on boats and stuff. You know, those flimsy old ribs. One of those people that I, Christopher Lee. When I met Christopher Lee, Christopher Lee was um, very polite, very nice. Signed my book for me. And all the time I'm thinking, it's Dracula, it's Dracula, it's Dracula, he's going to bite me, he's going to bite me. And he did nothing to make me terrified. No. And nothing to, to scare me that shouldn't have scared me, but it did. Yes. And that's what these these other actors are like as well. We get another fantastic uh, bit of cinematography when Indy and Marion run away and the, we get the plane exploding in the background. Yeah, and you think, oh no, they can Yes. Next scene now is, I believe where we go to Tatooine. Yes, indeed. Which, even as a child, I could work out that that was Tatooine. I know it doesn't look like it, but it reminds me of Death Valley in USA. Yes. It's such an iconic-looking place. Yes. Or in Lost, when they're in Hawaii. Every time you see that, go in, it's Hawaii. Yeah, Jurassic Park. Yes. And we move towards another classic scene, a classic bit of stunt work from Vic Armstrong. Yeah. Have you watched a recent documentary, um, uh, Hollywood Bulldogs? Yeah. Uh, funny enough, that is my viewing for tonight. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. It's well worth a watch, guys. Vic Armstrong saying how he more or less got the gig just by being an extra. People noticing he was very similar looking to Harrison. Does he still look like him now? Don't think he is actually working anymore in the business. Yeah, well, actually, because Harrison's nearly 80. Diverting from... So Vic, the... I think. He might be over yeah. 80 now. Keeping in the same vein, but diverting slightly. Yeah. What do you really think about the idea of Indiana Jones 5? He's he's nearly 80 years old. I just wanted to be action. good. I'm glad they've changed director. they got Mangold, who's done 
Logan. He's done the idea of an older character. Yeah. Or two older characters with Professor X in that as well. I just hope they're not flogging a dead horse where you like he can't do it anymore. Stop it. Yeah. Or will they actually hand over to somebody we don't know about in this film yet? And will they have a a reboot of the franchise? Because that was one of the things that I felt that when casting Sheila Booth in the last one, it was, yeah. are you trying to make him the yeah. new Indiana Jones? And so glad they didn't. Yes, because... That famous truck scene, of course. I have to admit, I wanted to try it, you know, with my dad's car when I was younger. <laughs> All those questions you realise as you get older, why aren't his kneecaps ripped off yes as he's going along did it watching the behind the scenes you said did the fact they dig a trench did that take anything away no not really because I know that these you know these actors aren't they're in danger to a certain degree there is the possibility that something could happen to them but you know they're always going to be safe you're not going to have Indiana Jones the star of the movie being killed off by a truck being dragged along so yeah not really if I'd have seen the trench, I would have probably gone, yeah, there's a trench there. And that would have taken me out of the scene. But this is Spielberg, and Spielberg doesn't make mistakes, apart from in E.T., where he changed the guns to torches. Absolutely, and it's another classic bit of score again. Is John Williams going to be doing a new one? I believe I heard he was. Because I thought he, would re- he had retired after the rise of Skywalker. Well, quite possibly. We're not sure if we've had an announcement yet. I know they, I think this is just me being a purist of going, you can't have Indiana Jones without John Williams' score. Of course, whoever they're going to get to do the new score, it'll be fantastic. Mm. You know, they're not, they're not going to pump Disney yet. Yes. Disney aren't going to pump money into yeah. a movie that, you know, it's going to be trash. Although people are going to listen to me saying that and just scream going, but that's not true. What about Solo and all of the Star Wars <laughs> movies? Rogue One was good. Where have we got to now? When, we, does, when does the boat bit appear in this, in the submarine? Uh, this is the next scene. Yeah, the next scene when Indy and Marion are on the boat. It's quite funny, isn't it, when Indy's going through all of his uh, various scrapes on his body. Yeah. And then she... Is it her who uh, hits the mirror into his face? Yeah. You get the cut scene with yeah. the screen, the cut with the screen. Um, and this obviously is all setting up for them opening the... Ark of the Covenant. Very much so. And, of course, the bit Indy goes for the Catch-22 situation with the rocket launcher. Yes. That would have been messy. Yes, and this is where and where you can really tell that this is Tatooine. Although the island at the end does remind me of the one in the new Star Wars trilogy now. Skellig Michael, is it, an island? Yes. Yeah. This is all building up. And I find it somewhat ironic that we are recording this in probably what is Wales' hottest summer in a very long, long time. time. Probably pushing 30 degrees now. Yes, and it does feel like my face is melting. But this is where we open the arc. But would Channel 4 show that now? Because they have the rights in the UK and apparently they uh, they cut it out. I didn't see the screen in myself, but they cut part of the uh, face melting out. I can see why they did. Because yeah. this is supposed to be a family movie. And the same with a lot of... I always thought it was just really cool. You know, probably five or six when I first saw this. Yeah, it, it it gives something to the scene, this idea of this is the word of God yeah. and you are not. Yeah. This whole idea is if you don't look at it, then it won't affect yeah. you. You know, the good guys are good, the bad guys are bad. And and the idea of these these people are so bad that God has melted them. Yes. It is 
terrifying. It was terrifying in 1981, yeah. and it is terrifying in 2021. But I've always liked the little touch of the the uh, beam that melts them going through the camera as well, because yeah. they're obviously setting up the 1930s camera to make a propaganda mm-hmm. film out of this. In my mind's eye, there's like lots of spirits flying around yes. and everything like that. That is slight whiff of Ghostbusters then. Yeah. <laughs> I see Slimer coming in. Or Ghostbusters Rob ripped off Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think. Ah, very true. Um, yes, this is a very this is a very good scene, very terrifying, tense scene. In many ways you just want it to be over. Yeah. It's like I don't need to see this anymore. I understand, I understand. Please get past this. And who hasn't like ever opened a coffee lid, flicked it up in the air and just wanted it to land perfectly like the Ark does. Yeah. I just love that touch as well. <laughs> one thing I've always I've always wondered about I know we're skipping ahead ever so slightly, but one thing I've always wondered about was what happened to the Ark afterwards? Are we supposed to see it is it supposed to be the same warehouse like Area fifty one that we see in Crystal Skull? Because we do see the when Indy falls back onto some crates. Older yeah. Indy. We actually see the top of something and we get a few strings of the Raiders theme. We see the top yeah. handle that's supposed to be. But I was never sure whether it was meant to be the same warehouse. Because we're made to believe when Indy comes down the steps from the Congress or wherever it is with Marion that, you know, he's ranting about it, needing to be in a museum. We see the crate being put in, don't we? A crate, we don't know if it is. Property of the US government, as it says. Uh, And even now, this whole idea of going, it needs to be in a museum. What you're basically saying, you rob that from somebody else yes. and now we're going to put it into a museum. Something that the British are very good at doing, yeah. to be fair. Probably how we got most of our wealth, being honest. Yeah. Apologise. <laughs> yeah, very sorry. I realise we're scum. Yeah, I know. Should we rank the trilogy? Should we rank... Let's leave number four for now, but should we right. rank the trilogy? For me, this is almost the perfect film, Raiders. I really enjoy Temple of Doom. A lot of people don't. It's a prequel, of course. Yeah. If you look at it, it's set in, I think, 1930... This is 38, Raiders, isn't it? The year before Second World War started. Yes. And I think Raiders at Indy, Temple of Doom is 35 or 36. Yes, and then... Last Crusade is after Raiders. Which is during World War Two, so it's supposed to be like 42, 43. Must be, yeah. But for me, it's perfect, Raiders. I really enjoy... Temple of Doom, and I think Last Crusade is just is more fun than Raiders. It's more fun to watch. It's more like a big thank you to the fans. Mm. There's slightly more caricatures, like what I said about Danny Manate before. He's more of a comic foil. He gets a bigger role, but he's more comedy than the serious guy you see at the start of Raiders. If I'm going to rank them, I would go for Raiders, then The Last Crusade, and one thing I have mentioned. Raiders is a lot longer than I remember it ever. Every time I watch it, yeah. I never realise how, how long a film it is. Because yes. it was a lot longer than I remember it being. Then The Last Crusade. I even put The Crystal Skull before Temple of Doom. Really? I, I, Temple of Doom, I can understand people have got that B-movie feel to it, but I just... I can accept it as a B-movie because the others are so so well-structured and good. I kind of know why... I. I wouldn't say I don't like Temple of Do- Temple of Doom. It's because for one summer in 1989, I was somewhere for two months. There was only about ten movies there, and one of them was Temple of Doom, and I watched that film so many times, I got sick of watching it. Yeah. But also, Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull is really silly. It's not a great Indiana Jones movie, but I kind of like it because it is silly, and I like they went in for a different direction of going, do you know what? We're going to do Aliens now. Yeah. 
and that's what I because how many more religious artifacts can they go for because yeah. oh, this is just the same thing again because there has been a theory I've seen it mentioned on other podcasts that Temple of Doom really is made by two men going through uh, quite stressful divorces in Lucas and Spielberg because Indy's so much more of a playboy in that you know he has sort of mellowed out a bit hasn't he by the timeline Raiders being um, after Temple of Doom funny you should say that but you know two men going through divorces with Spielberg he had gone off with Kate Capshaw by this yeah. point so he had you know cheated on his wife Lucas had given you know everyone you know criticises Lucas for the prequels or the, yeah. the changes he makes and yeah I get it I can understand why people criticise him so much but also you've got to give the man credit of how much he sacrificed to bring people the Star Wars movies yeah. to bring the Indiana Jones movies to he lost his wife and you know he lost his marriage yeah so we could get return of the jedi yeah i didn't like me to ridicule it i'm just saying yeah no no i, I didn't think there's elements of no, that in the thing no it's i'm not you know not you but i think the fandom in general of going you know he ruined this he ruined this yeah no he didn't he gave a lot so you could enjoy this you know so you could go these movies were awesome this made my childhood yeah at the man's expense of of his own family of his own life so poignant way to put it. Yeah. One other question. It's not a it's not a uh, show I ever really watched, but I'm aware of the theory. The theory, of course, not not a pun. Um, in the Big Bang Theory, I think one of the characters is watching this or showing this to his girlfriend for the first time, yeah. and she says he didn't realize the main plot hole, which is uh, Indiana Jones didn't need to get involved at all because nothing would have turned out differently. The Nazis yeah. still would have got the Ark, still would have opened it, and their faces still would have melted off. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I remember watching that and I did think, oh yeah, I've never really thought about that. Yeah. But that's just picking holes in films. Very true. How, how many... For fa- humour though, you know. Yeah. For, for, for humour. People who find that show but, funny, I don't particularly, but... Yeah. Think about this, that, you know, going to, for another um, Lucas franchise with Star Wars, yeah. people poke holes in, in certain things. Oh, well, this wouldn't be possible and this wouldn't be possible. Yeah. There's a giant ball in the sky that fires lasers that meet up to make one giant laser. Do you know what? That can't happen. They've got laser swords. Do you know what? They can't happen either. So stop picking holes. If you're going to pick holes in things, pick yeah. holes in every bit of it. Yes. Don't just pick and choose the bits that you particularly don't like. So, dude, still a fantastic movie. Yes. It's probably going to be around forever. It's in 4K now. It'll probably be 8K... 240,000k one day projected um, into your brain you'll be I've, able to play it in VR long after we've gone yeah um, I've, I've got to be honest with you I'm kind of getting bored with this whole idea of 4k 8k it's like yeah. look how amazing this film is, is going to look it's a bit brighter and shinier and you can see more wrinkles in people's faces yeah and and not only that the one thing I think I've even mentioned on this podcast before Back to the Future proves why how clear a picture can be how much it can brew in a movie yeah you can see all the makeup my example I always mention is Star Trek the motion picture exactly yeah. you know you don't need to see something so dude next time what shall we discuss your choice okay this is the first one that came to my head and this could go horribly horribly wrong E.T. quite a bit to say about that but I won't I won't uh, won't spoil you with my thoughts for a 40 year old film yeah no I, I'm not gonna this, this is this is gonna be a big one because it means I've got to watch E.T. again. That's sort of what right. I'm thinking myself, but that's given a bit away. Right, okay. Are we going to watch E.T. or are we going to watch the remastered version? 
I can't remember. I suppose the remastered version does what it says on the tin, but is it longer? Is it uh, no, shorter? There is, it's slightly longer, and they've changed some of the scenes. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to watch the original one, not the remastered one. Right, so thank you for listening, and this is bye-bye from me. And bye-bye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>